0: Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. And we're so grateful that you guys are here, whether you're joining us in person or whether you uh, didn't want to get outside today uh, in the snow and you're watching at home or maybe you're sick or something like that. I mean, we're just grateful. We're grateful to have you, and our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith. In Jesus, I want to let you know about a few things that are happening. Uh, first, today during next service, uh, we have our missions meeting. So we have a, a meeting about the different mission trips that we're going to be taking this year. So if you're interested at all about um, finding out more information, this is not you signing up. It's not you saying I'm 100% in or whatever. It's just you saying, hey, I'd like to get more information about missions and uh, the different trips we have going on. The meeting is going to happen next service. Uh, If you go out these doors right into the left, uh, there's a room in there. So if you're interested, please check that out. We'd love to to have you and uh, see what God wants to do in and through you this summer uh, or this upcoming year on missions. And the second thing I want to let you know about is, uh, I don't know if you know this, but it's like December 3rd, and uh, Christmas is three weeks away. Uh, That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, some of you are excited. You've been listening to Christmas music since like August. Uh, That's that's where my wife is. We've been watching Christmas movies since like October. Uh, Some of y'all are like that, but uh, we have Christmas services coming up in a few weeks. So uh, you want to make sure that you find out all about our Christmas services. You can go to christmasincastlerock.com and you can get all the information there. We have uh, an early, early Christmas service for those of you who are going out of town. And then we have uh, four services happening on the 25th. 4th. We're going to have 2 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon. The big question is, are they the same? Yes. So if you come at 9 and you come at 4 or whatever the times are, uh, then it's the same service, okay? You're going to be lighting candles and all that good stuff. Um, uh, so uh, it's the exact same service at all of them. If you want more information, we have a table in the back uh, that will have all the information for you. There's uh, tickets. We do the tickets. They're free. Uh, we just do that to help us know when uh, a service is going to fill up and when we have to add a service and all of that stuff. Uh, there's yard signs, there's keychains you can give away, there's all kinds of stuff to help you not only remember yourself uh, that Christmas is coming up, but to invite somebody else, uh, maybe your neighbor or coworker worker or family member. Uh, this is the number one time people are open to an invitation to church. So may we utilize this opportunity uh, to bring somebody in and hopefully help them meet Jesus. Uh, and the last thing I want to let you know about is uh, we've been in the middle of For the Church, For the City. We just did kind of a re-up campaign. Uh, we had our big celebration, uh, our big um, commitment Sunday, and it snowed like a foot that day. Praise the Lord. And today is Celebration Sunday, and it's snowing right now. So God has got something good for us, I guess, or he just likes us being cold. Um, and so I want to give you guys kind of an update. Uh, man. I, I, first, I just want to say thank you Uh, your generosity, your faithfulness. We had 39 new families join in on For the Church, For the City, which I think is awesome. Uh, Yeah, you can clap for that. We had about that same number of families that said, hey, we want to not only uh, are we continuing our commitment, we're actually going to do more uh, than what we said a year ago. And then we had dozens and dozens of families say, hey, we're still in. Like, we've made that commitment. We're going to keep going after that commitment. I just want to say thank you. Uh, As of right now, we've brought in a little over $2.2 million, um, and you guys... Uh, have committed a a total of $4.1 million, which our goal was four million. So great job, guys. We're so excited. Hey, if you haven't been by the property, uh, you need to. Uh, it's over there, um, I don't know, somewhere that direction. Um, if, you, if you don't know where it is, ask one of us. We can kind of tell you. But there's a lot of dirt being moved right now, as you can tell by the video. Uh, they're doing a lot of stuff. I had one of the pastors in town text me yesterday. He's like, is this your property? He was over at somebody's house over the meadows, and he could see it from their backyard. And man, it just gets me excited to know what God is doing in our midst and what he's going to do. And so church, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your willingness to step out in faith. We're so excited to see what God's gonna do uh, in and through our church and our community and beyond. And again, I just, uh, I'm so grateful, grateful for you. Hey, by show of hands, how many of you love to receive gifts? Be honest with me. Be honest. I mean, okay, good, good. All of us do, okay? Uh, so here's what I need you to do. I've got a gift to give away. It's a, a little uh, a Christmas movie package for the family. So look underneath your chair. There's a, a piece of paper up underneath one of your chairs. When you've got that, tear it off. There it is. All right, come on up. Come on up. This is... <clears throat> okay, so the... Yeah. So I'm sorry because for your family we probably needed five of these baskets, but that's what you're gonna get. Give it up for Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. We got to give a gift because we're in a series called the Gift, uh, and uh, and we're gonna be talking about the gifts that Jesus and His family received, but not really that very first uh, Christmas story. Um, where the series uh, we have a message series hub. If you want to go deeper in your faith, you want to start a reading plan this time of year, if you want to um, uh, learn more about the Christmas story and uh, go deeper in that, then just go to our website, frontrange.org, or you can scan the QR code on your worship guide, and you can go to our message series that way. Uh, you can get all the information about um, what we're studying and then going deeper as well. And let's jump in. If you've never heard the Christmas story before, I'm going to tell it to you from my nativity scene. This is my, uh, the one that we have in my house. You've got the stars around. I don't know why those exist there. The main two players, besides Jesus, you've got Joseph and you've got Mary. They meet. uh, They fall in love or they're given in love to each other. I'm not sure which. uh, And they get engaged and then she becomes pregnant. But don't worry, it's not Joseph's. And Joseph, don't worry, it's not another man's. Uh, It's this miraculous thing. She gets pregnant and she has Jesus. When Jesus is born, the shepherd's out in the field. They see this angel that's like this, obviously, saying, rejoice. Right? And they're like, oh, wow, what's going on? And then you have these, these wise men that are somewhere that see this star right here. Obviously, my star is bent up because it's, it's been through some things. Uh, and, and then they come and they meet Jesus and you've got the animals. And then, and then to top it all off, this is my uh, French bulldog, Winston, uh, that <laughs> he is in the manger scene because he's close to my heart, and he's close to Jesus' heart as well. So that's the, the story of Christmas. If you didn't know, uh, that's it. And we're going to pick up where Jesus is born and what happens at that point. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. It'll be on the screen. If you need a Bible, we'd love to get you one. As you're heading out to your car, uh, just stop by the connection stand and say, hey, can I get one of those Bibles? We don't need your name, your money, none of that stuff. We'll just get you a Bible. We want to make sure everybody has God's word in their hands. So Matthew chapter two, starting in verse one, it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, And have come to worship him. So it's these three guys right here. The magi come. Who are these magi or wise men as we like to call them? Well, they were astrologers. They were magicians. They were philosophers and they served. They were in Persia. Uh, They were from Persia and they served the, they were kind of like priests to the Persian kings. Um, They studied the, the stars. They studied dreams. They were regarded as holy men. They were regarded as some of the wisest people on the planet. But make no mistake, these were not believers in God. These were not Israelites. These were not followers of God, which I think is fascinating because God is now drawing these people who are not trying to follow him, who are not looking to follow him, he's drawing them to himself. Now, here's what they do. They see this this cosmic event happen, and they give up everything. And most scholars would say they began to search for this, this king for two years. Now, I don't know about you, but if I saw something happen in the heavens, if I saw a star, I'm not reorienting, reorienting my life for two years to follow this star, right? Like, these guys drop everything. Why would they do that? Because it was real common in that time for men like these, these astrologers, that they would, they would study the stars, and, they, and it was said that whatever star man was born under, that, that served as, as his destiny. That spoke to his destiny. So when they see the star, they, man, they change everything. It excites them so much. They know that, that God has just broken through the heavens. Like something miraculous has happened, and we have to go see this king. We have to go see what has happened, because there's clearly a king like never before that has just been born. So he gets to Jerusalem. He asks around King Herod at that time. says, wait, well, hey, what are you asking? What are you saying? There's like a king of the Jews. Wait a second. I'm the king. So so he devises this plan. He doesn't like that there's another king that's on the scene now. So he devises this plan. He tells the wise men, he says, hey, I want you to go find this this new king. And when you find him, let me know exactly where he's at so I can go worship him. Well, his real plan was to kill him. He was going to kill whoever this king was. He was going to kill Jesus. And we'll see that later on in the story. Look at verse 9 and 10. It says, after they heard the king... These, these wise men, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now remember, these are astrologers, so they're just following the stars, and they realize, man, the star's going somewhere, so when they see it again, and it goes over this house, they are overjoyed. They cannot wait. Now I love this, because this is showing that That God will use whatever he can in your life to draw him to himself. You see, these guys, they didn't worship God. They worshiped the stars. They worshiped the heavens. And so they were drawn to that. They had given up their entire lives at this point to follow this star. And God's going, I'm just doing all of this. I'm using what you worship to draw draw you to myself. God does that with you and I. I've told this story in Next Steps, every single Next Steps. But for me, when growing up, like I didn't grow up in the church or anything like that, and God used really good looking girls to get me to go to this thing called youth group. And it was a youth group that I discovered Jesus. Like God will use anything in your life, pain and triumphs, to draw you to himself. Now the next verse is the foundational verse for this series. Here's what it says. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So it says once they got to the house. Now some of you may be thinking, well, I thought he was born in a stable or I thought he was born in a cave or something like that. Well, this is now two years later. Okay, so this isn't like Jesus was born and they're there within a week or within a couple months. These guys have been traveling and traveling and traveling and traveling. So that Jesus is like, he's a toddler at this point. Yeah, you know, he's running around, he's talking, he's probably doing long division, you know, something like that. Like, I mean, he's, he's doing Jesus things, right? And so they show up at the house, and we see that they give him three gifts. And this is where we come up with having the three wise men in a nativity scene. I mean, more than likely, there weren't three guys that came that day. There were probably at least a dozen, some scholars say dozens. But I mean, if you add those into my nativity scene, it gets really crowded, Right, like that'd be kind of awkward if you're like, oh, there's 16 wise men in there, you know, and one little Jesus. Uh, So they show up at the house and they give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why do they give these gifts? They give these gifts as kind of a a prophetic word. They're not giving it because uh, uh, you know they they think that that Jesus needs it for some reason. They're really speaking to who Jesus is and what he's come to do. The first gift is gold. Now, can you imagine being Mary and Joseph and these guys show up? I mean, you're, you're you're still living in a place that's not really your own home. Uh, you you might be staying with friends or something like that. And these guys, they show up with with gold. You're like, sweet, we can finally get a house. You know, we can get that new donkey we've been wanting. You know, we can save away for Jesus' five two nine plan. You know, something like that. Like, I mean, imagine. But like this this gold wasn't given to them to help Jesus' future college. You know, or or to help buy a donkey. That it was given to them for two reasons. One, because the, God or- orchestrated all of this because Jesus was about to have to go on the run. Mary and Joseph were ha- about to have to go to Egypt because Herod was going to come try to kill him and every other boy his age. And so the gold helped them get to Egypt and be able to ultimately return. But the other reason that he was given gold, the main reason he was given gold, is because gold represents Jesus as king. Gold represents Jesus as king. Gold, especially back then, it was associated with kings. Like you didn't give gold to your girlfriend or your mama on Christmas, right? Like we sometimes do, you know, in today's culture, like gold's pretty prevalent now, but you didn't have the access to gold like we do now. If you had gold back then, it was only meant for a king. Now, when people think of Jesus, they don't usually think of him as king. In fact, I would say that in our culture, there are more popular kings out there. To prove a point, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you a picture on the screen, and I want you to yell out what king it is, okay? I'll help you with the first one. Here's a picture of the first one. This is Simba. Simba's the? Lion King. Lion king. That's good. You guys got it. You guys got it. Some of you are like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, I missed that one. Uh, okay, here's the next one. This is who? King Kong. king Kong. All right, you got it. You guys are on board. This one might, might make some of you hungry, right? What's the next one? Some of you are like, that's disgusting. Burger King's the best fast food burger place, okay? It just, I don't care. I I said it. I said it. You can boo me. It's been a bad weekend anyways for me. Just boo, okay? Jeez. Okay, next one. Next one. This guy is a self-proclaimed king. Who's that? Yeah, LeBron. But I don't see him as the king. Uh, In fact, actually, let me just say this real quick. LeBron wore a crown on Easter last week, or last year. I mean, you know... And our guy doing the slides today—he's a big Lakers fan, so he really doesn't like this one. But here's how I see LeBron. Me and my daughter see him more like this: crybaby LeBron, <laughs> crybaby LeBron. That's right, that's right. And then for you boomers, maybe you know who this is. Who's this? Is Billy Jean king. king? Yeah. These are more famous kings in our culture, but Jesus is a king like no other. Jesus is a king like no other. Matthew makes it very clear. He emphasizes that Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the city of David. It was known as the place where a coming king would come. Bethlehem was five miles south of Jerusalem. It was called the city of David because it was where David was from. King David was from there. And they knew that one of his sons somewhere down the line would be born in the same place and that he would be a king. He would be the messiah. So they were so excited. They knew that this place was for a king. But Jesus isn't just the king of the Jews. You see, when God brings these wise men from Persia, these men who are not following him, God's saying, I'm not just the king of the Jews. I'm the king overall. I'm not just the king of the Jews. I'm the king of the Persians. I'm the king of the Romans. I'm the king of the Europeans. I'm the king of the Americans. I'm king of kings. He's a king like no other. And here, in this story, Matthew's trying to give us this picture that that as God draws you, he wants all people to come to Jesus, no matter what route you may take, and he wants you to come with your greatest gift. That no matter what route it may take you to get there, to get to Jesus, just go. Just meet him. No matter how quick it is or how long it takes you or how many diversions you have in the process, Just get to Jesus, and when you get to him, bring the greatest of all that you have. But most people, we don't respond like the wise men. Most people don't respond like they did that day. Most people don't go to Jesus at any route possible and and give to him the greatest gifts that they have. In fact, I would say it this way, that there are three responses to Jesus as king. There are three ways that we respond to him as king, and you're gonna see your story in one of these three responses. Okay, the first way that people respond to Jesus is some will oppose Jesus as king. Some will oppose him. This is King Herod. King Herod is, the, is, is king at that point, and he hears about Jesus, and he's like, man, I don't want anybody else to be king in my place. I will kill any threat. And so he, he tells these wise men, hey, come tell me, Where this Jesus is, well, the wise men are told, hey, don't go back to Herod. Don't tell him. So eventually, Herod realizes, man, he's been duped by these guys, and he gets angry, and he resorts to drastic measures. Look at verse 16. It says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. All of that to save his power. All of that to save his control. Imagine how many mamas lost lost their kids. Imagine how much weeping. A generation that was destroyed all because one man wanted to regain or keep his own power. He wanted to oppose Jesus as king. Now this isn't everyone. I mean, not everybody opposes Jesus as king all the time. But I would say most people at some point in their life oppose Jesus in some way. Sometimes it's drastic measures like Herod. Uh, a few weeks back, I was in an Uber ride with a, my driver who said that uh, his self-proclamation was that he was a Jewish atheist. And so we were just talking, and he was stuck in the car, and it was a long ride. It was like an hour and 45 minutes uh, to the airport. And I'm like, I am so sorry, but you're about to get some Jesus. And so we just... We're talking, my daughter's with me, she's preaching to him, it was awesome. Uh, but we started talking about the, the war in Israel and, um, and just how his family had been impacted and all these different things. And, um, and, and I said, hey, here's what I know, I know that God is gonna save your people because he's always done that. He's always overseen your people, he's always cared for them. And he said, no, that's not true. The blood of our people will save our people, God has nothing to do with this. And I thought, man, Like, this guy is created by God. He's in the nation that was chosen by God, and he's opposed to Jesus. He's opposed to him. Now, most of us would never respond like that when we talk about God or we talk about Jesus. I mean, many people who oppose Jesus now, we say things like, I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody else's help. I, I, I have enough faith in myself. That's all that I need. I don't need to read some old ancient thing that's, that's out of context and out of cultural issues and all of that. I don't need to read this for my life. That's how we oppose him today, by saying, I don't need him. You can believe in him. You can even come to church. But if in your life you think, I don't need him, then you're opposed to him as king. A second response that some will have is some will dismiss Jesus as king some will dismiss him as king. This is Jewish priests. The Jewish priests, they're dismissing him as king. I find this fascinating, okay? I hope you do too. The, the Jewish priests, their, their, their job is to preach and to proclaim. And so every week they're preaching and they're proclaiming certain passages. Like they're getting ready for a Messiah. And so they're proclaiming verses, they're preaching verses found in the Old Testament that speak to this coming Messiah. They're preaching Isaiah 7.14 that says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So they're preaching these very passages and many, many more. And then you have this situation where a virgin is given birth in Bethlehem, and the priests don't even go five miles south to see it. That just in case just maybe this might be the messiah they don't even attempt it they don't even look at it what's even more fascinating is that that time in the in the world as a whole there was this general consensus that a messiah was going to come it's really fascinating if you do this study that there, there's this general consensus, not just in the Jewish culture, but all throughout the world. I mean, you have writings about it. The first century historian Josephus is writing about it. The, there's writings of wise men found in the Middle East and in Greece. You have wise people from and the Roman historians that are writing about it. Even the, Virgil, the, the, the Roman poet Virgil, he writes about this coming Messiah. And he claims this emperor Augustus, which we know it's not. But there was this moment right in this time period where the entire world, was expecting a Messiah. They were all holding on, like, this has got to come now. Like, there's this feeling all throughout the world, like, there's got to be a Savior being born. And five miles south of Jerusalem, there's a virgin giving birth to a child in the city of David in Bethlehem, where this Messiah would be born. And the Jewish priests don't go check it out, they just dis- dismiss it. They dismiss him as king. I think this is a lot more people in our culture. I think a lot more people dismiss Jesus as king. We could think, well, you know, maybe he's God, maybe he's the savior and all of that. But when we have opportunity to experience the power and the presence of God, so many times we're like, eh, maybe not, maybe not right now. Like we have the opportunity to come to church. We're invited to church or maybe you wake up and you're like, all right, we're gonna go to church. And then you start thinking, man, is there something else I can do today? Like whenever church planners move into the city and I meet with them, I always tell them, hey, one of the reasons this is the hardest city, one of the hardest cities in the country to plan a church and to lead a church is because people, many people in our culture, they wake up on a Sunday or on any given weekend and they think, if there's anything else better to do than go to church, I'll do that thing. So instead of coming and experiencing the power and the presence of God, man, I'd rather go skiing. I'd rather stay at home and, and, and do something else, or whatever it may be. But we have this opportunity to come into the presence of God as a collective body and worship him, Do we take up that opportunity, or we have God's word at our disposal, and you you and I have the opportunity every day to read this, this magnificent letter that God wrote to you and I. And every day, I don't know about you, but I'm tempted to be like, ah, I'll do it later. And later rarely comes around for me if I do it later. We think, oh, maybe it's too hard to understand or whatever, and Maybe I'll try something else. Or, or I just mention the mission trips. And it's like, anytime mission trips are, are mentioned, it's, you know, it's so easy for us to be like, oh, I can't do it this year. I can't take off that much time. Or how am I going to pay for it? And we just start dismissing it. Here's what I'd say. I would say that you can believe that Jesus is king and you can have accepted him as your savior. But if this holiday season, if you're more engaged with the world than with him, then it's real easy to just dismiss him. And we've probably dismissed him. If we're caring more about what the world and the celebration of of what we're told to do and all of that and we don't focus on him then all we're doing is dismissing him. So you can oppose him you can dismiss him and the third way we respond is some will worship Jesus as king. Some will worship him as king. This is the wise men this is how they choose to respond. The greatest way to show reverence and awe and respect and fear to a king is to bow. There's a church called Church of the Nativity, and it's on the site. They say it's on the site where Jesus was born because they know where the end was and, and all of that. And so in the fourth century, Emperor Constantine, who was the first Christian emperor of Rome, he decided, him and his mom decided to build this church called Church of the Nativity. And it's still there to this day. And when they built this church, I think we have a picture of it, they built the the front entryway of the church, the front door, so low that you would have to enter by bowing. Because they said you cannot enter the presence of the king without bowing. It was just a reminder that Jesus is king, and we are called to worship him as such. To worship him is bowing our lives, our will our voices, our future, our resources, is bowing everything to him. It's about how we live our lives on an everyday basis and serving him and recognizing him as king of kings. So where do you find your relationship with Jesus at this point? Do you see yourself opposing him, dismissing him, or worshiping him? I'll be real honest, I've been all three. Like when I was younger and I was an atheist, I was really angry. If, if God existed, I didn't believe he did because I looked at my situation and my dad wasn't a good dude. I just thought, man, if there was a God that actually was up there and he loved me and all of that, then he wouldn't give me this situation. I wouldn't be in this situation. So I didn't believe that he was real. I just, I opposed him. I was very much opposed to him, to Christianity, to anything that God was trying to do. I've dismissed him I can't tell you how many times. I mean, the countless times where I wake up and I know the most important thing I can do is to get into his word, and yet it's real easy for me just to push it off. The countless times where I've been sitting in church and the announcement about missions was made, and I'm like, no, and I can give all the excuses. Or just name it, whatever it may be. All the times where God's prompted my heart to give and to help somebody in this season or any time, and I'm like, ah, but I could use that. I don't know if they really need my help. I mean, the number of times I've dismissed him as king. I said, man, I worship him, and I I believe in him, and he's my savior and all of that, but to actually submit my life to him, to truly worship him by bowing, that's a little bit more difficult. I want to worship Jesus as king. I want to make him first and foremost in my life. Say that he is the king of kings. That he gave everything for me, so the, the least I can do for him is give myself back and say, God, here I am. Do with me as you wish. So this holiday season, we, as we head into Christmas and all the celebrations and all of that, I just want you to kind of take inventory of your life, as I'm doing of mine, and ask the question, is Jesus truly king of every area of my life? And if he's not, then what do you need to do to bow? For some of us, maybe we're not followers of Christ. Maybe this is our first time in church, or maybe you've been coming for a while, and your wife is a believer, and you're not, or your husband is, and you're not, or whatever, and you're here, and I'm so grateful that you're here, that you're choosing to show up, or you're choosing to watch online. I'm so grateful. But God's got so much more for you. And it doesn't mean that once you start following Jesus that you're going to All your questions and doubts are going to go away. But it does mean that you're starting this journey and you're choosing to say, okay, what you did for me, I give back to you now. What other areas of your life would you say maybe Jesus is not king over? If Jesus is truly king of our lives, what would our lives look like? Like how would we respond and act on a daily basis? What would we do weekly? Here's my challenge to you. Over the next few weeks, choose to show up here. Show up here because it's the collective body. It's the body of Christ. We're meeting together. We're worshiping together. We're inviting him in, in here together. And there's something supernatural, I believe, that happens every single week here. And so come, but come expecting. Expect God to show up in your life. Expect him to speak to you. Expect him to do something miraculous in your heart, in your family, this holiday season. This Christmas season, expect him to do something miraculous. So come expecting. Commit to getting into the word. If you go to that, that reading plan or that, uh, that message series hub that I talked about earlier, there's a reading plan right there. If you're like, man, I don't even know where to start. We've got it for you. Okay, it's already been created. We can guide you to the Bible app, and there's a reading plan right there that we're, a lot of us are doing together. And so it's super easy. So if you're like, man, I need to commit to reading God's word more, then maybe do that. If Jesus is king, then maybe recognize that your resources are not your own, they've just been given to you to steward. So as God prompts you, as God gives you an opportunity, even as I was sitting there and Pastor Mike was talking about the the Christmas boxes that we're giving to these families, I'm like, Lord, use me. And so we will be giving to that because God's going, I wanna use you, Ernest, I wanna use you to help these families that are in need. So if Jesus is king of your life, what would look different? What needs to change? How do you need to bow? Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, that, man, as we look at this story with the wise men, it's not just some simple nativity scene that some of us have in our homes. God, it's this greater story of you drawing all men and women to yourself, people from all backgrounds, all walks of life and you'll use anything to draw us to yourself. And God, every single week we have people who walk into these doors or who are watching online, that if we're being real honest, we'd say, man, I'm not close to God, I'm not following him. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you did at some point, Maybe, maybe even when you were a student, or maybe it was even six months ago or whatever, but right now, man, you're just not walking that journey And so if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to say, okay, God, I I want to bow to you. God, I want to give you my life. I want to commit my life. I want to recommit my life to you. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you'd say, man, that's, that's where you're at today, and you want to make Jesus king of your life, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm just simply going to ask you to raise a hand here in a moment. I know who you are, and I can just be praying for you as you begin or reengage this journey with God. So if you say, Ernest, man, I came into this place feeling far from him, but and God's drawing me to himself, I want to receive what Christ has done for me. I recognize I'm a sinner, and Christ died on the cross for my sins, paid the price for me, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead three days later, show his power over sin and over death, and I want to receive that life. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to make him king. With every head bowed eyes closed, if that's you, just raise a hand. I wonder who I'm praying for. Amen. 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 Father, thank you so much for each one of these individuals. If you're watching at home, you can just simply text the word follow to the number on the screen. And I just want you to know God sees you. Whether you're here, you're at the house, watching online, God sees you. He knows your story. And he loves you. I just want to say I'm proud of your bravery saying this is the step I need to take. And then God, for all of us, tell us if there's an area of our life where we're not worshiping you, where you're not king over God, identify that to us and may we respond accordingly. May we bow to you this Christmas season and may you truly be our king. It's in Jesus' name.